Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. As the old saying goes, when the markets move, it's because there are more buyers than sellers or vice versa. But, you know, in reality, there's so much more to consider. Foster and Motley's Tom Guidi is with me, Patrice Sikora, to talk about some indicators that can offer insight into market movements. Tom, stock concentration and market breadth. That's what we're going to tackle today. So talk to me about stock concentration first. All right. Thanks, Patrice. So I think we have to define what is the market first. So you know, if we're just talking about the U.S. stock market, it's all the companies that trade in the United States. But as a shorthand, we often talk about an index. So a market index is a measurement for how is the stock market doing as represented by a set of companies that are in the index. And every company has a weight on the index. And the most common way they weight stocks in a market index is by market capitalization. So the size of the company as valued by the market. So for something like the S&P 500, as the name implies, has 500 stocks. Now they're not equal. Mm -hmm. In fact, the biggest is Apple, biggest company in the world, $2.3 trillion company. So it's a the biggest part of the S&P 500. So it's about 7.7%. Now there's the 500th largest company in the S&P 500 is probably a very tiny percentage of the S&P 500 because it is much smaller than Apple. Now, the, the biggest companies in the S&P 500, which is the index that I think most professionals use, but I think the rank and file, most consumers think of the, the Dow Jones Industrials, which are only 30 stocks. But jumping back to the S&P 500, the biggest companies in that, they're mostly tech these days they are. It hasn't always been that way, but the very largest companies in the S&P 500 could all loosely be categorized as tech companies. Um, they're Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, NVIDIA, which is a chip company, and Google, or the, the name they go by and when they trade stock is Alphabet but we all know them as Google. So those companies make up about 24% of the S&P 500. So you can think of if it's a good day for Apple, well, it probably is a good day for those other four companies as well, and a good day for the market as a whole, even if it's leaving behind the other 495 companies. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of what we experienced in the last year, especially at the beginning of the year. So the beginning of the year, everybody was still a little uncertain. We just came off of 2022, and here we are at the beginning of 2023, and you know some banks are going out of business, and everybody's feeling really uncertain, but there's this big glimmer of hope. It's called AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, yes. And any company that could say AI the most times during a press conference went up the most in value. <laughs> and NVIDIA won that contest. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, they were close behind. But all these tech companies did really well. Um, but kidding aside at that point. 
But the rest of the market, the more staid companies like industrial companies, materials, energy, they were all lagging at this time. And the rest of the market was much more mixed, but it was being led by these very largest companies. So I think that takes us into that other topic, market breadth. So at that time, the market breadth was really narrow, meaning that the market was led by these few technology companies that all had spectacularly good returns, where the other 400 or so stocks weren't performing nearly as well. In fact, a lot of them were down. Mm -hmm. So if you looked at the index excluding those largest companies, it was flat or maybe even slightly negative at the beginning of the year. So investor experiences were really different. Somebody who invested in the S&P 500, they felt really good. If you're an investor in only tech stocks, you're doing great. But if you miss the boat, didn't have big exposure to some of those companies, you could have pretty poor performance. Now, as the year moved on, the breadth of the market widened out so that it wasn't just those companies anymore. It was much more broad. So today, where the S&P 500, you know, marking this point in time, is up about 17%. The average stock is up about seven and a half, and about 60% of the companies in the S&P 500 are up for the year. Which would be a good sign of an economy? Yeah, that's much healthier than where we were at the beginning of the year, where, yes, everybody's really uncertain about the market, but there's these few things that are doing well. They happen to be big, so they, they really had an outsized impact on market returns. So how do we use something like the market breadth when we're looking at a portfolio, creating a portfolio? Yeah, it's it's kind of tough these days because when you look at those five companies that make up the market, and we labeled them all tech, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Google, the index makers label companies a little bit differently. They consider Amazon more of a retail company because mm. they sell things online. They consider Google a communication company, but like they do Facebook, for instance. But they're all very related. When the market moves for one, they, they kind of move for all of those companies. So by being very related, it means that you know, they're probably competitors of each other. They're probably partners in some areas, in some right. of their businesses, so when there's news that comes out that might impact one company, it probably impacts all of those companies. So you have this big chunk of your portfolio that's kind of moving together if you have a market portfolio, if you're investing in the S&P 500. So that means that when we get back to this kind of old word that we use in investing, diversification, where you want a mix of investments and you want them, maybe when one zigs, the other zags, for a big chunk of your portfolio, they're not doing that. Right. And 24% of the index, that's kind of a high. That's a high level for the top five companies. It's varied historically, uh, but the average is about 13 and a half. So we have more of the market capitalization, more of the value of the market concentrated in the very biggest names. Now, it's happened before. 
in 2000, it kind of peaked out. And there was three tech stocks, as you'd expect, back in 2000, Microsoft, Intel, and Cisco. But then there was two somewhat unrelated companies, Walmart and General Electric. General Electric, really? <laughs> yes. Sorry, but really? Yep. General Electric, um, 23 years ago, I guess. So you could imagine how far things have fallen since then for that company. Yeah. In 1980, the biggest companies were generally oil companies. Mm -hmm. So the Exxons or Schlumbergers of the world back then, but in the top five were also AT&T and IBM. So today is really unique in that, yes, it's we have a big concentration in the five largest companies, and that's happened before, but it's unique in the fact that the five companies are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Tom, given that kind of concentration, what are you thinking about when you're looking at portfolios? That's a good question. And I, I think back to, we have a lot of clients who maybe worked for decades at a single company and they end up with a lot of their own company's stock. Here in Cincinnati, we have Procter & Gamble is the most common, but not the only one. But those clients, they end up with this big concentration of their own company's stock and from a risk management standpoint, we often tell those clients, well, long-term, we need to pair that back mm -hmm. so that it's you know, 10 to 20% of your total investment portfolio. And that's just this rule of thumb that a lot of investors have to control risk. But if you're just an S&P 500 investor, today you have one stock that's 7.6% or 7.7% of your holdings. It's Apple. And then you have four other stocks that are pretty similar to Apple in a lot of ways. So I think a lot of people are taking this outsized concentration bet on their portfolio without the concern for risk management in a lot of ways. So even if we like some of these companies that are the very largest in the market, we also have to consider how that fits into an overall portfolio, how we would construct a portfolio to control the level of risk. So we invest in a lot of these at different times when the price is right, when the prospects are best. But a lot of times it ends up being an investment that might be even a little bit smaller than the market because of how we want to control risk when we construct a market portfolio or an investment portfolio. How often do you look to rebalance? Yeah, it used to be something that I would work through a list and I'd look at it monthly. So some other people here say, well, why am I always, you know, you're always trading in my stock in the middle of the month. And it'd say, <laughs> well, you're your last name starts with L and that's the middle of the alphabet. So that's what I got. That, that was a few years ago. Today, I think we've looked at it in a lot of different ways. Uh, we're looking across all of our client portfolios on an ongoing basis. Uh, and we're rebalancing where it makes most sense, which means those people that are furthest away from where we'd want to invest them. 
So when there's a significant amount of deviation from where our client portfolio stands because of you know, hopefully market growth, but it could be a market decline, um, we'll rebalance that portfolio and we'll bring them back in line with how we'd like to invest them. So it can be something that happens still monthly or you know, more likely it's, if it's a case of a low level of volatility, it might be longer than monthly. If it's a very volatile time in the market, you know, it could be as often as weekly. So I think that varies quite a bit. Tom, is there something we haven't discussed related to this topic that you think we should? So I think investors should take a look at their own portfolio. If you invest in individual stocks, try to see, you know, what are your biggest investments that you have? How are those biggest investments related to each other? And understand what percentage concentration is your portfolio in a single company or a collection of companies that are all related. If you're a mutual fund investor, I think it's useful to take a look at the top holdings in that mutual fund. And you can see the top holdings on the mutual fund company's website or on Morningstar and look at what percentage are in the different stocks in the largest mutual funds that you hold. And I think if you invest in several mutual funds, several US stock mutual funds, you might find that their top holdings are very similar. If you feel uncomfortable with that, uh, give us a call. We'd be happy to discuss how we invest versus how you are currently invested. And how can they reach you? Uh, so first off, you can go to our website, www.fosterandmotley.com. Um, you can also give us a call at 513-561-6640. Tom, thanks so much. And listeners, when you follow or subscribe to this podcast, you will know when a new one is ready for you and you won't miss anything. So do it. And please share with friends, colleagues, and family. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.